Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, you know the other week you talked about your dream of having a tambourine with ribbons? Yes. Yeah. I've discovered that my dream is to play two pianos at the same time while singing. (sighs) Incredible. songs. I just attended my era's tour, which was the Tori Amos show in Los Angeles (sighs) on Friday. And uh, I'm still messed up from it. I emotionally. Bet. That's deeply emotional, like, oh, you went deep. Yeah. I, I took my inner teenager, who was sitting alone in her room listening to From the Choir Girl Hotel, to a concert. Oh. And we had a great time. Uh, and I'm still sad about it. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we are joined by Julissa Arce and Naomi Ekparrigan to take on the following questions. Why did the Barbie movie get under so many men's skin? Why on earth would you force OBGYNs from around the country to travel to Texas? Why do birthdays cause existential crises? And what washed-up reality villain is hawking expensive air fresheners? All this and more right now. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast that understands the trauma of being in the front row of a college glee club concert and having the corny soloist for In the Still of the Night make eye contact with you the entire time. (laughs) Okay. Have you had that happen to you? I haven't, but it was an episode of The Sex Lives of College Girls. Oh, was it really? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I haven't seen that episode, but I have lived that episode, and it was... Mortifying. Uh, <laughs> mortifying. It's it's like a it's like a game of pride chicken between you and the soloist. It's like who well, has and the you least can't shame? leave. You can't leave. You can, but it would just it'd be terrible. Awkward. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to do it. Um, speaking of can't leaving, uh, when are when are they going to take Donald Trump's passport away? I feel like at this point. Oh my god. Of. Uh- like, how does he still have his passport? He seems like the most prime candidate for turning that shit back in. Yeah, flight risk. He is a yeah. 
He's a flight risk. Um, there is, you know, as as we're recording this on Wednesday morning, there's been a lot of rumblings all week that something is coming by the end of the week. And that's an indictment in the, is it the D.C. January 6th case? Or D.C. The- January 6th case, yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Jack Smith has been, you know, working in his little workshop. For some reason, I just pictured Jack Smith working in like a Keebler elf tree. What, without question. Yeah. Like one of his assistants is discussing about whether or not to go become a dentist right now, just like Hermie in Rudolph. Like this is. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I just I think it's very funny. The Jack Jack Smith as like the special prosecutor being the one that that is having the most, you know, productive tenure is yeah. a sort of funny indictment of the way that the media ascribes narrative to things that it doesn't necessarily know what's going on about what it what's going on. Also, don't you 100% think that Jack Smith is his just witness protection name? Oh, it's not his real name. No way, man. It can't be. It no can't way. be. His real name is like Mortimer Heyerbach or something like yes, that. Yes. Yes. And, like and a like, like a ancient Supreme Court justice. Yeah. Yeah, there's something something off about him, but I'm not going to question it. Um, yeah, so charges are probably going to be brought in the January 6th case in D.C., which would sort of like render all of Eileen Cannon's jiggery-pokery moot. Yes. Um, if she's scheduling the trial to not take place until May of next year, which is in the middle of the primary season. That's and absurd. That's, that's the trial for the stolen documents that takes place in Florida. Um it it sort of like doesn't really matter what she does if there's a judge in D.C. that's like, yep, let's fast track this thing, get it all done ASAP, which right. is what the prosecution wanted. So we'll see what happens. Do you think we'll get Wednesday? But truly, he did. So- we may get Wednesday, but also he, Aaron, God knows what he actually did when he was president. Like if there is anyone who needs their passport taken away, who knows what what strange countries with other totalitarians he has made deals with. I mean, non-expeditable. We know Countries. a few Az- Azerbaijan. Yes. I don't know if Azerbaijan has like a has like an extradition treaty, or is it Kazakhstan? I don't know, but Ivanka was in one of those two countries, sus in a hotel situation at some point. I remember seeing the pictures. Oh, take her passport away too, man. What is she? What is she up to? Just trying to like. But like, lay do low? we do we want her struck stuck here though? I mean, I feel like she can go if she wants to go. Okay, fair enough, Ivanka. Yeah, you can leave. Everybody else has to stay. And face Everyone justice. else has to stay, including the eldest boy. Uh, the the eldest boy. I had a weird dream about Kendall Roy last night. It's because of Venus. It's because Venus is in retrograde and it's hitting all of us really hard. It is a weird What did Kendall time. Roy do in your dream? He and I were shooting a film together and I was like, I've never acted before. I don't know how to act. And he was like, just follow along with me because I'm a great actor. You know, relate. That seems very realistic. <laughs> I was like, and I was like, "You are a great actor." I remember being like in a scene with him and being like, "This is really easy because Jeremy Strong's a great actor." Um, but yeah, that was my. And dream. then, did you see the? Did you see the TikTok video or TikTok, whatever you call them, of "I'm Only Ken"? I'm Ken. Yes. But about Kendall Roy, I yes. laughed so hard. Oh yeah, it was the it was the crossover event of the century. Uh, the the Barbie. Roy family crossover. Anywhere else I'd be a 10, but here I'm only Ken. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's get into the news stories we're going to talk about this week. So first, I want to get into this story and not for the reasons that a lot of news outlets are getting into this Mm. story. Um, That's the Carly Russell case. So 
for people who aren't familiar, it would be difficult to not be familiar because the case is just so nationwide. But a quick refresher, Carly Russell is a 25-year-old nursing student from Alabama who went missing two weeks ago after placing a disturbing 911 call wherein she said she saw a toddler wandering alone on the side of the freeway and was going to help the toddler. And soon after that, the call dropped and her abandoned car was found still running with her phone, Apple Watch, uh, her wig, other personal belongings, and it sure looked like she had been abducted. Um, But unlike a lot of cases where black women go missing, this one was instantly in the national headlines. And that was thanks in part to the response on social media. As soon as it happened, I remember seeing it Everywhere. Same. Everybody was talking about it. And it was, you know, people were talking about it on the news. You could hear about it on CNN. But then days later, she turned up at her family's house claiming, like, you know, everyone had assumed that she'd been abducted. And her family and loved ones were super relieved to have her back, obviously. But then soon after, questions about her story started surfacing. Like, why didn't any other cars report seeing an abandoned toddler wandering down the side of a busy interstate at the time Carly placed the 911 call? Like, why was she the only one that saw the toddler? Uh, And then why did Carly's internet search history in the days leading up to her alleged abduction Uh. include questionable things like, does it cost money to get an Amber Alert? Uh, and the movie Taken, and local bus tickets, and um, a couple other searches that authorities are not releasing to the public. They're saying out of respect for her privacy. Um, Also, earlier in the day of the 911 call, did Carly make a stop at Target and buy a bag of snacks? And when she vanished, the bag of snacks also vanished. So none of those things prove that she did anything, faked anything, whatever. People Google macabre shit all the time. If I were to vanish, people would be like, she was looking, what was she, why was she looking that up? Why was Alyssa searching for pool towels before she left? (laughs) Can I use a hose to scare a hawk away from the nest of morning doves in the tree? I'm tired of hearing it come and kill the babies. Like that sort of thing, you know? Yeah, same. And, um, But, you know, police said that they found no evidence that Carly had been abducted. Uh, But I found that weird. When police were coming out publicly before we really knew one way or another, um, I found that to be odd. Um, Mm -hmm. It's sort of like either you know that the story is fake or you don't. But don't, like, do a press conference where you, like, raise questions about the validity of a person's story. Um, I don't know. I I felt that it was – look – Hindsight's twenty twenty. I felt like it could have been handled better. The police are notoriously not very good at at handling a yeah. lot of things. I mean, you know, a lot of times these uh, smaller places have to go prime time when mm-hmm. things like this happen, and they're not necessarily ready for prime time, and so they kind of think they're supposed to go out and do something. And I think a lot of police forces have been um, sort of you know, admonished for not acting quickly and sharing information with the community. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if we were to err on the side of giving them the benefit of the doubt, you know, they're yeah. trying to get out there. But I guess, I guess maybe that the messaging could have been more like we do not see an ongoing community threat. Which they did say. Right. They did say that. Which too. is which is important, I think, that you don't want people living in fear because I saw a lot of stuff Panicking. on social media. Right. Yeah. And you know, the the toddler used to lure kidnapping victims is such a pervasive trope. And like i I'm I'm right. sure it's happened before, but it has become such a like I've seen so much 
stuff of like mostly white affluent women saying like the the if you see a baby in a target parking lot if you see a you know if yeah. you see a, a a baby seat on the side of the road don't stop and it it's sort of like a it's not an urban legend because it is based in some truth but it's really overblown in the way that people think right. about it um but then but then Carly Russell admitted to her attorney that she had made the whole thing up and um the Police chief of the town of Hoover, Alabama, said, we ask for your prayers for Carly as she addresses her issues and attempts to move forward, understanding that she made a mistake in this matter. So we don't know why she made it up. There's a lot of chatter that it was because uh, something about her ex-boyfriend, who is now definitely her ex-boyfriend. Her ex-boyfriend. Yeah, her super ex-boyfriend, who has weirdly also been very public during this whole thing, like releasing statements. He was and- very public. He took to Instagram immediately asking people to repost and to that that her case was not getting nearly enough attention and that everybody had to, you know, pray for her and help find her. And, you know, yeah, he was very public. Yeah. I mean, and the police say that they knew Russell's story was a hoax yeah. since last week. Um, and it just all kind of fell apart. And... I've I've heard and seen people talking about how, you know, it is it's rare that people take the disappearance of black women seriously, and it's a shame right. that this super high profile case of a black woman disappearing turned out to be a hoax. Um, and I think the fear is that people will not take black women's disappearances seriously anymore. I just wanted to to make an important note that yes. while it is rare for people to fake kidnappings, it is not. Unheard of. In fact, it's more common than you would probably think. Um, And the people who do it, no race, no color, no gender. I mean, if you recall just earlier this year, or no, last year, uh, a woman from California named Sherry Papini faked her own kidnapping in 2016 and got sentenced to 18 months in jail because of Mm -hmm. the fake. Um, I have, uh, in 2002, there was a 45-year-old guy named Dr. Mark Salerno who claimed he was kidnapped in Phoenix, Arizona. He was found in the trunk of his car in Pennsylvania a few days after that. Um, It was a nationwide thing. People were like, oh my gosh. And then it turns out, he told the FBI that men took his car and forced him into a van and then locked him into his trunk. But then somebody said that they saw him lock himself into the trunk. Um, and he did it because of fi- financial reasons. Uh, there's a woman, a Canadian politician named Dar Hetherington, who in 2003 disappeared from a conference outside of Great Falls, Montana, turned up a few days later in Las Vegas, said she'd been kidnapped and uh, and abused. And they looked into it and they're like, that didn't happen. And she ended up getting uh, convicted of criminal mischief. I mean, people fake kidnappings sometimes. Sometimes it's People fake a lot of things. People fake having cancer. People fake having cancer. Oh, yes, they do. I mean, I don't think that it says anything bad about us as a society that we trust when people say, like when there's a story of someone being kidnapped, we're like, oh my goodness, let's look for them. Like, let me. good. I I don't think that you and I are like American heroes by any stretch of the imagination, (laughs) but here's how I feel. I suck. If someone says they're fucking missing, if someone, I am going to always err on the side of believing them. And in the one in 100,000, 1 million, whatever chance that they might be telling a fib, that they might have staged this shit themselves, uh, it is the exception, not the rule. 
That's not, you know, that's on them, not me. Like, I, I'm I'm at right. peace with myself as someone who believes people when they tell me that they have cancer or when someone's yes. been kidnapped or, like, I'm I'm fine with being a sort of Imagine person. what it says about you as a person if someone tells you they have cancer and you're like, eh, why don't, need you, to see- why don't you tell me more about your symptoms? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can I you see your, uh... Tell me your doctor's name. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Hmm. Uh, you were at the appointment last week? That's weird because you were that's... posting. I thought you were at the Ivy. Yeah, that's yeah. so weird. Hmm, weird. Um, yeah, I just I just think, like, people on... People are going to take from this story what they're going to take from this story. But yeah, I think it's important... Exactly. It's important to remember that, that people fake crimes... For a whole bunch of reasons. And some of them, oh gosh, I have I was looking at fake kidnappings this morning. There was a Brazilian soccer awesome. player. Yeah, I know this is a great Wikipedia dive. I love when you go down the rabbit hole. I know. So there was a Brazilian soccer player in uh 2011 named Somalia who claimed he'd been kidnapped at gunpoint before he was robbed, but it was revealed later that he was just late for practice. And they have and he just and there's the club that he played soccer for had a forty percent wage drop penalty in cl- in case of tardiness. So he was like, "I was kidnapped," so that he wouldn't. I mean, I do hope that if you fake being kidnapped or having cancer, it's for a better reason than that. <laughs> well, I've got I've got a worse reason than that, and this is very sad. What? There's a woman named Joanna Grenside who was an aerobics teacher from England. She staged her own disappearance a few days before Christmas in 1992, and that's because she had an eating disorder and didn't want to be around Christmas food. Oh God! Yeah, so she Jesus, pretended she'd terrible. been kidnapped. You know who else faked their own kidnapping? Which, Agatha who? Christie. That I knew. That I knew. Agatha Christie faked her own kidnapping um, because she was trying. I think she was trying to make her husband mad or her ex or mad. Her- yeah, yeah. Like, it was it something was, like that. It was something like that. So I'm just, you know, I'm not going to say shine on you crazy diamond to any of these people because you shouldn't waste law enforcement resources. But you know, it's not, it's not common, but it's also not unheard of for people to fake and kidnapping. also. Usually the reasons people are doing this, aside from the soccer player and his wage thing, mm-hmm. are, like, usually pretty sad. Like, yeah. if someone gets to the point where they're faking their own kidnapping, things have gone awry in their lives. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Okay, well, let's move on to a story that's uh, got some Ugh. widespread implications. Alyssa, take it away. Aaron, this one really is uh, things that make you go, hmm, This year, Erin, the American Board of Obstetrics and Gynecology, or ABOG, as they're known, Mm. is hosting its OBGYN certifying exams in, of all places, Texas. What? Yes. That? Yes. Are we talking about the Texas with the the floating Where it's all criminalized? Yeah. That Uh, that Texas. That Texas. Vigilante, Uh, anti-abortion justice. All those things. Bounty hunters. Yeah, you name it. For the last couple of years, they've been doing it remotely, so they could have kept doing it remotely. But instead, ABOG is putting OBGYN's lives in danger by forcing them to go to a state that is full of armed anti-abortion MAGA Republicans and has criminal and civil penalties for people providing and getting abortions. Now, Getting board certified is voluntary, but most hospitals and practices require it. And being board certified, here's one for you, Erin. Let this one sink in. Being board certified requires candidates to delineate cases they've worked on, including abortions. 
while they're standing in Texas. Why okay? are they doing this? Are this people, is like what? So, this is so and like uh, you know a lot of the online stuff is like well Abog is based in in Texas. This Why? is where Abog exists. Move. But also who cares? Then like you should move or you should just keep doing this shit remote or in any other state where people practitioners don't have to decide whether or not they are literally going to open themselves up to being arrested targeted. and targeted. So the other thing is they have to discuss these cases with a panel of examiners. And if the OBGYNs mention abortions when writing out their cases, things could get contentious. If they don't, then our country's lack of abortion training would persist. Like there are so many. Okay. So one thing, ABOG sent out a note. Are you ready for this? Aaron, ABOG was telling candidates that they, quote, should not be at legal risk if they come to Texas. Should not. Not won't. Should not. Um, but the group hasn't addressed the danger for doctors in pro-choice states who ship abortion medication to Texas, uh, to Texas patients via telehealth. Potentially, they could be at tremendous criminal risk. And something uniquely terrifying about this whole situation is that there is now a known address where hundreds of OBGYNs, many of whom perform abortions, all descending at the same time in a state filled with anti-abortion sentiment and few gun regulations and loads of mass shootings. So if you're a provider, what are you going to do, Aaron? Do you? Ha okay, so does every provider have to go every year? Is this just for new? Is this just new? Um, Newly, like, trained. It seems like you have to. It seems like there is some recertification every year. What the fuck? So can they change this? Is there anything that can be done about this? It doesn't seem. I mean, I think that the only thing that can be done about this is that, like, practices and hospitals outside of Texas would have to say that they don't have to be recertified. That feels like the only thing to do. But like most people say, foregoing the exams isn't really an option. You have to be board certified in order to be granted privileges in most hospitals and medical uh, practices. Oh, my God. This is yes, so stupid. Because Ooh, also, what? here's another thing in the circle of in the circle of life here. Health plans also tend to give board certified doctors higher insurance reimbursement. <sighs> mm-hmm. Who is giving them money? That's what I want to know. Like, what what is what's going on with ABOG that they can't just? It makes no sense to have your headquarters in a state that is. It's aggressively it makes no against, sense. No, I feel like there's more to the story. Hopefully, we can to learn. come out. Yeah, because as as it stands right now, the information that we have, the actions of the organization do not make sense, and their unwillingness to accommodate. Very real fears and concerns that its members have. Also, it doesn't make sense. So hopefully we'll learn more because this is crazy. Uh, crazy. Okay. Uh, speaking of woke propaganda, uh, <laughs> the Barbie movie <laughs> opened this past weekend uh, shattering records, earning $162 yeah. million in its first three days. It's not only the most profitable opening weekend of 2023, but of any Woman-directed film ever snaps to Love Greta to see Gerwig. it. 
Love to see it. Crowds showed up. They showed up in style. People were dressed up. Um, and, uh, of course, you know, conservatives were absolutely losing their marbles over it. I honestly think I had to, I had to listen to, like, Ben Shapiro's dumb 43-minute rant about Barbie, which contained oh so many God. words because he talks so fast. He's He's got... Very annoying man to listen to. Um, and I, I don't recommend anybody listening to him ever. I, I feel like a lot of conservative outrage about like Barbie being woke is fake because Barbie and Mattel for years have been doing things like releasing Barbies with varying body yes. types and Barbies with disabilities and Barbies with. So like they're they're only mad because this movie's popular and they're chasing clout. Like that's. Yes. They That's want, they see every one of their brothers talking about this and they're like, let us get in on the action, manufacture some outrage about a lovely, entertaining movie. Yeah, I saw Caitlin Flanagan, the writer from The Atlantic, with a sarcastic mm-hmm. tweet this weekend about like how we we must treat it like it's the, you know, what is the, the epic of Gilgamesh or something like that. And <laughs> I think that, you know, she's she is correct that there is a lot of attention being paid to the film but i also think that it's like that that view betrays an ignorance to how media works right now attention begets Mm -hmm. attention eventually it becomes its own little gravitational field and the attention itself generates more attention so as a news outlet as a person trying to get people to look at what you're talking about uh, talking about something that everyone else is talking about, even if you don't have an authentic connection to the material yourself, is a way to get right. yourself attention. It's That's just them's the breaks. That's just how the media works. I mean, I worked at a, at a couple digital shops, and SEO is a thing. You know, like you, yes, you want people of course. To- you want people to find your content. And if people are talking about Barbie and they're reading about Barbie and you're putting stuff up about Barbie, then you're in the mix. You know, you want to be in the mix. It's uh, Also, the- why is it so outrageous to be talking about a movie that resonates with a lot of people, about a director who had an incredible take on something? Like, I couldn't have imagined what the movie was going to be like until I actually saw it. And studios that put millions and millions of dollars behind advertising. Like, why are we, why don't we have this, like, level of angst over, like, Marvel movies? Because, okay, I I feel as though there are parallels here between the Barbie movie. I mean, loose parallels. I don't want to say it's like a one-to-one comparison. But the summer that Black Panther came out, Black Panther was a good movie that appealed, that that looked different than all the other Marvel movies, appealed to a new audience, brought people in to theaters, and there had been like a complete lack of superhero movies that centered black characters, you know? And right. and this was a movie that was really well done and it did that. And so people were like, I want that. I'm going to go see this. This is a movie that centers girlhood and takes girlhood seriously. Uh, yep. Discusses a, a toy that like a lot of girls and women were playing with. And like when we were interviewing Karina Longworth on the show, she said, you know, movies are mostly made to appeal to like teenage boys. And finally, right. there's a mass market high budget, highly marketed movie that was made by and for women with like a female perspective. And I think we were all just like thirsty for something like that. And so the fact yes. that like the fact that it's cleaning up at the box office should not be a surprise because it's been it's like such a well executed, perfectly understood take on a mm-hmm. toy. Like what did you what did you think about what did you think about the movie? Did you like it? 
I really enjoyed it. I really, everything about it, from the joy of walking into the movie theater, and I saw it in a small movie theater here in upstate New York, to seeing all the people who came out to see it. There were lots of older women, like grandmas in my theater. There were very young children in my theater. And it was like everyone was just there to enjoy the movie. And everybody was there for a different reason. And it was, I thought it was remarkable. I thought that it was so hard for me to envision what the movie was going to be like, even after seeing the trailers. And it was very, like, poignant. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought there there were parts of the plot that, like, didn't quite make sense to me. But yeah, I agree. it made... It made more sense as if I just sort of like zoomed out and thought about it as like a meditation on the way that girlhood and and Barbie specifically sets mm-hmm. little girls up to imagine a world that centers them and their friends and what they want and what they're right. interested in. And when little girls play with dolls, they don't necessarily like incorporate men into their play because they don't see yeah, a purpose I didn't. for it. <laughs> And then you get to an age where you're told, actually, in the real world, men are the most important. Boys are the most important. And you need to do things for men and boys. It's not the world that you played when you were a little girl of just you and your friends having a fabulous time. And, like, Ken's around, but, like, we don't really care what he does. We're not going to, like, not let him do stuff, but, like, we don't really care about him. You know, it's— Right. Ken's Ken. Exactly. Like, okay. Well, I mean, and, you know, I, I wrote about this for the Daily Beast. Like, for every Barbie, for every seven Barbies sold, there's one Ken sold. Like, girls just like playing mm. with Barbie more than they like playing with Ken. And that's fine. But eventually, that world of play comes up in, it bumps up against the world where, like, men are suddenly told to be the center. And actually, men take things where they're not the center as, like, insulting an anti-man. Instead of just like, no, yeah. it's not anti-man. It's just indifferent to men. Uh, and I thought right. a lot that's of That's what it's just indifferent. You're it's exactly just indifferent. right. And like, but that's not, but men take anything that there's certain types of men, not all men, hashtag not all men, but there's certain types of men, <laughs> specifically the types of men that like, you know, every week have to get their little rage boner rubbed out <laughs> to, you know, Matt, Ben Shapiro or, or Matt Gates or whatever. Who, who think that anything that isn't about and for them is insulting to them. Yeah, um, totally. And, and that, to me, the response almost seems like a meta joke that the movie meant to make. Like the movie, it feels like the movie sometimes <laughs> did things where it was like, we're trying to get this response to make the point that the movie is making. Right. Um, that being said, I didn't quite get some of the plot, <laughs> some of the plot pivots. I was like, okay, now they're... Why do they have to go back to Barbie world now? Like, Yeah. No, I didn't understand. No, that's true. Also, I felt like I didn't need so many of the Will Ferrell and the men. Mostly all the scenes that focused on the men, as is true with real Barbie. I was like, eh, it's okay. I'm all right. Uh, I could have used a little less. A little less of the Kens. It's fine. I was happy to see uh, Jamie Demetriou, the, the star of Staff Let's Flats, which is one of the funniest shows of the last five years, it's on uh, HBO. It's on Max if you guys want to watch it. Stath Let's Flats. It is so fucking funny. He's in that movie, but he doesn't get to be hilarious. And that made me sad. You know who was hilarious? Michael Sarah. Alan. I thought he was a very funny character. <laughs> he was just so dead in the eyes. It was great. Uh, totally, totally dead Ryan in the eyes. Ryan Gosling's performance was iconic. I'm going to say that. Just iconic. Iconic. Uh- 
And Margot Robbie is Barbie. She is Barbie. Um, and Issa Rae is my president. I'm oh happy. I was thrilled with that casting. Yeah, that was great. That was great. Um, well, if you haven't seen the Barbie movie, definitely recommend going to see it in a theater yep. because you do want to see Barbie Land huge. You, you want to see it huge. Uh, you can see it small at your house, too, but go to the theater, support. Uh, huge is better. Yeah, huge is better for sure. Um, and that's all the time we have for news today. We're going to take a break. Yeah. When we come back, we're going to hear from two reigning Hysteria champs, two of our favorite panelists, both of whom have been gone for a while but are back and we could not be happier. So stick around. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix zero-sugar hydration drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe mushroom coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I, mean, I just like, I, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time yeah. when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast, no dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito, <laughs> not, not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have. To, I refuse to be uncomfortable I refu- if I want to be productive. I refuse <laughs> to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Especially, Erin, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. They're very, like, on a, it's like a couch nap. You know, you have, like, a, oh yeah you've got, like, maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a, like, small break. I'm very tired. I'm going to just, like, lay down for 20 minutes. It's yeah. Perfect. Perfect for couch okay. napping. Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. Just put yeah, a, a totally. blazer and like denim shirt, denim, denim shirt, oh, blazer, yeah. leggings. So easy. 100%. And of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit falling just above the knee while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. It's perfect. He is like, I think my, my dad is one of those people that just like beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're. They look like a security blanket that a 30-year-old yep. still has where it's just like a ball of string and you're like, um, Our dads are the same. Yeah, yeah. But um, my dad has had his for like a couple of years now and I think I, I saw him wearing them the other week when I met up with um, family on a, on a short weekend trip and they still looked great. It was like, Dad, your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shins that eliminate noise for the life of the pad. Rubber-coated hardware for a better fit and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. Welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast for people who love being the center of attention until they don't, a.k.a. <laughs> I guess Leo with a – what is rising for me? Leo with a Capricorn rising. That's that's what we are. We're Leos with Capricorn risings. Um, I'm so excited for today's show. We are welcoming back two panelists who have been away for a while and it's just going to be like a victory lap. It's going to be so, so great. I'm super excited. I'm going to bring them in first before we go into the topic because I am so – I didn't want to do this topic. Uh, but, it's going to be great. But the fact that I didn't want to do it was like we should do it. Okay, so – But can I just – wait, before you introduce, can I just say one thing? Yes. Happy birthday. I, thank you. You're welcome. You uh, can go now. You I can wish, go. I had to see my face. I had it's to dispense. Like, uh, I know. Yeah. But – we had to say it. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you. I'm still alive. Uh, okay. Our first panelist has been a little busy being a new mom, but she's somehow found the energy to come back and do some podcasting. She's an activist and the author of the book, You Sound Like a White Girl, among others. Julissa Arce, welcome back to Hysteria. We missed you so much. Missed I you. I have missed you guys so much. I am so excited to 
be back. I am... I have a new title, as you said, mom. Mm-hmm. And it's like the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, but you know, now I also get to walk around with a little glass mug that says number one mom. <laughs> that my <laughs> got me. And I fully embrace being the mom with that, you know, her iced latte at the grocery store. So <laughs> that's me now. I was wondering who was declared number one mom this year because I lost out. And I was like, who got it? Who got it? It was you. It was, it was you. Me. Are you, are you, fe- are you feeling good? Are you getting rest? Yeah, you know, uh, Rayita is uh, sleeping eight, nine hours a night. So that's <gasps> wonderful. It's the that's daytime so naps that kill me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But that we, I mean, naps? I could talk about this forever. Uh, no, she just wants to only hold, she only wants to take naps when I hold her. You know, as soon as I put her down, she's like, like, so that's my challenge. Working on it. That's rough. That's rough. Um, Well, I'm glad you're getting that night sleep. We just started being able to sleep mostly through the night. She is over a year and a half old and she just started sleeping through the night. So... I'm very happy for you and sad for myself. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Rounding out the panel. Our next panelist is a longtime member of the Hysteria fam, and it's so great to have her back. She's a comedian, actor, writer, and co-host of the podcast Couples Therapy, Naomi Ekparagan. Welcome back to Hysteria. Woo, child. It's been 9,000 years. (laughs) I'm going to say, and I'm going to say this, Erin and Alyssa, you haven't aged a day. Oh, thank okay. you. Thank you. Looking stunning, doing great. I mean, it's an honor to be back. You know, honey, it takes a double strike. It takes a double <laughs> strike to get back to home. Naomi, you haven't met me before, but I also haven't aged at all. So <laughs> I, believe I believe it. I believe it. You're number one mom, and that's part of being number one. Is that <laughs> you just out here getting eight hours in the evening? And you just That's staying right. youthful. Yep. That's what you gotta do. How, so how are you doing with the double strike, Naomi? You've been picketing, you've been, you know, keeping busy. Oh yeah, it's real. You know, I don't think any of us were set up for living in historical times. You know, <laughs> these typing fingers, this attention getting comedian was not ready for labor action. So I've had to pivot. I've had to pivot. I've had to grow my skills. I'm wearing a hat that Alyssa Mastromonaco would love. It's large. It is giving I UV love a protection. Good hat. I love your hat. It is. I feel like I might have to send you one of my own, just, just in solidarity. <laughs> um, I am so excited to have this panel here. I, uh, the, the, okay. So just to preface, mm. today is my birthday. Yes, it is yes. that we're recording. It's Wednesday. Wednesday is my birthday. And it's a big one. I am turning 40, and I super didn't want to talk about it on the podcast, and I super haven't mm-hmm. wanted to think about it. In the weeks leading up to my birthday, I usually have, like, anxiety dreams. I hate my birthday. I never have parties for it. I'm not, like, a birthday week or even a birthday <laughs> month kind of person. Um, I just I don't really like it. I've never liked it. And I was thinking yesterday as we were discussing, you know, a topic for the show, the reasons that I am hesitant to talk about it and the reasons that I'm like, don't, that I get so uncomfortable talking about it in my my age, turning 40, I'm like halfway through my life, which is nuts. Um, 
is that even though I've spent so much of my life and so much of my career thinking about all the ways that we, all the value we place on women in relation to their age, thinking about how that's bullshit, unpacking the ways that like it's sexist to tell women that they're not worth as much as they get older, even though I've spent all these years thinking about that, I've still internalized it. Like I still have this internalized thing where I'm like, oh, I'm old now. Like I'm old. And I want to talk about what it means to get older and whether or not, you know, how we all handle our own birthdays. And like, am I like a bad feminist? Like what's going on? So (laughs) Naomi, I want to start with you. How do you feel about, about your birthday and how do you celebrate? Well, I'm actually very much with you on this, uh, especially as I've gotten older. I think kind of once I hit 30, I stopped being as excited about it. Um, My birthday's in December, so I'll be 40 in December. And that also coincides with the holiday, the end of the Mm -hmm. year. I get very, what do I have to show for myself for this Mm -hmm. year that has passed? And that kind of reflection and taking inventory is very unpleasant to me. And then it also feels like, you know... I, I agree, you know, dealing with, grappling with that feeling of I am worthy no matter what the what my biological number is, but at the same time being conditioned to be in a world that sees you less and less, the less, you know, attractive you are as defined by that society. You know what I mean? Like certainly there are people who who like an old gal, but that's <laughs> not what we're taught, right? We're taught that like the older, like, you know, the older you guys, like you're not, you're not fertile looking anymore. You're not hot anymore. I'd love a man on the street to call me sweetheart. I'd love a little sweetheart, but I'm getting old. Girl, they don't I've want it no more. Ma'am. I've been ma'am for 10 years now. <laughs> <laughs> ma'am? ma'am, ma'am, can I help you, ma'am? Uh, okay, Naomi, first of all, I saw your wedding photos and your skin is glowing in them. Flawless. So I don't know what you're talking about, but I do know what you're talking about because it doesn't really matter, like, to me, what people tell me, like, oh, you know, you don't seem 40, you don't seem middle-aged, you don't seem whatever. Like, yeah. the people, I I don't really, that doesn't really do anything for me. You know what I mean? It doesn't permeate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a yeah. armadillo shell of self-hate. And you can't get it. <laughs> can't get anything in there. Um, but I think the self-assessment thing is is really is real. It's like having a quarterly review, except it happens every year, and it's you being your own boss and being like, "What have I done? Do I me- like? <laughs> am I wasting my time? I don't know." Julissa, how do you feel about your birthday and birthdays in general? I love <laughs> my birthday. I love to celebrate with Julissa. <laughs> I am definitely that person that's like, it's my birthday month. It's my birthday week. And I want to have different dinners with different groups of friends. And I want to have a big blow up party. And um, I just, you know, I love, I love a good celebration. I love celebrating life. And I think I've actually really looked forward to getting older. Um, I think because when I was younger, you know, I... As many of our listeners know, you know, I was undocumented and I had very strict dad who didn't let me do anything. So I was always just like, I can't wait to get older and get out of the house and like make some money and, you know, like get my citizenship and like do all these things. So I was always looking forward to getting older and life for me has gotten better as I've gotten older. You know, I 
um, in my 20s, I got this awesome job. I, I filled up the, the bank account and um, had a ton of fun. And then in my, you know, I was 35 when I got married five years ago. I turned 40 in March and, um, you know, had my daughter. And, and I, feel like, I feel like this is a point in my life where I have everything I've ever dreamed of. You know, I have mm-hmm. uh, the family, I have um, the money. I, well, the money is like, you know, for now, TBD. I mean, it's <laughs> it's uh, it's emptying quickly. So and relative. Got to get back to work. <laughs> um, but um, but you know, I, I'm I'm happy, like sort of where I am with life. I do think though that for the first time in my life, I have started to worry about getting older because of my daughter. Because now I mm-hmm. think I'm an old mom. Right? I'm 40. When my daughter is 20, I'm going to be 60. You know, mm-hmm. If I'm lucky enough to like live a long life, when she's my age, I'm going to be 80. You know, So if she waits as long as I did to have kids, if she even wants kids, then you know, I'm going to be a super old grandma. Like, am I going to be able to like hold my grandkids? Or even with my daughter, you know, am I going to be able to do all the things that that... I want to do with her because I am getting older, and so and so I've um, you know I've really started to think a lot about aging and getting older, and how do I better take care of myself? To uh, you know, the number of times I've looked up longevity stuff while I'm nursing her. <laughs> uh, you know, Mediterranean diet, okay. According yes. to Jennifer Aniston, it's collagen. Oh, well, there you go. I, you know that there's a, there's a good shot of collagen in my iced coffee this morning. Um, so yeah, so I mean, I think up until this point in my life, I've loved it, and and I do think that. Um, this generation of women, we are sort of reclaiming uh, our sexy in our older years. Like I feel, well, not particularly right now because you know I'm still in the <laughs> in the in the midst of uh, of a newborn. Um, but before that, like I I I do feel sexy when people tell me, "Oh my god, you you're forty. You don't look forty." I'm like. Tell me more. Like, please tell me how I don't look forty. Um, oh, so man, yeah, Janisa, but I, but <laughs> you should bottle and sell your your like self esteem attitude around your birthday because I would buy some and add it to my iced coffee in the morning because that sounds lovely. Um, yeah, I mean, Alyssa, how how do you feel about birthdays and and how do you celebrate yours? Okay, guys, so as the canary in the coal mine here, well into my 40s, veering towards 50, a couple things. One, one of my earliest memories, my mom, God bless, she was a big, she put a lot of effort behind our birthdays, right? And one of my favorite pictures is of me underneath the dining room table at like my fifth birthday party hiding when everybody sang happy birthday to me. Um, (laughs) So let me tell you where I come down on birthdays. I like people to remember my birthday. I love some flowers. I love a text message that's like, hey, bitch, happy birthday. That is great. I, I, I've never been a birthday celebrator, really. Um, like this year, I tried to remember when, I, when we were prepping for this. I'm like, what did I even do for my birthday this year? And I looked up on my calendar. I went to dinner by myself at 5.30, and then I went to a town board meeting. That's what I did this year on my birthday. <laughs> by myself. I was by myself, by the way. And I did manipulate. I tried to manipulate people at the board meeting by being like, this is so important to me. I'm here on my birthday. Though if I had not been there, I would have just been home watching something on streaming or TV. Like that's yeah. what I would have done. 
I think that for me, like my 35th birthday was hard. It was the one that I really remember hitting me because I was online to get a coffee that morning when I was still working at the White House. And one of my beloved colleagues was like, Mastro, you're advanced maternal age today. And I think every birthday from then until, you know, for several years to come, I was like every year that goes by, uh, my ability to have a child is like slipping away. And then I I like finally talked my gynecologist into giving me some tests. And he was like, oh, honey, slipped away a long time ago. And I was like, all right, well, that's very freeing. I'll take that. Um, And then the 44 was a particularly hard year because my body started to have to change and I started feeling Mm. age creep in. But you know what, guys? You know what my response was? I fucking let my gray hair grow out. Fuck it. I look great. Who cares? Looks stunning. Thank you. Stunning. I have, I've really adopted the Carrie Bradshaw in like the first Sex in the City movie, which is like the 20s are for making your mistakes. The 30s are for learning your lessons and the 40s are for buying the drinks. That's where I am. (laughs) I am Diane Keaton. I am Frances McDormand. I am, I am letting the gray grow and I still don't want to celebrate my birthday, but age does not, uh, I don't think getting older anymore. Every year for anyone who's listening and gives a shit, I have found every decade that passes is markedly better than the one before Mm -hmm. it. So it's mm-hmm. it's a, I, there's but, but what about what about the global pandemic and and the climate? You know, it's oh. real hard. It's hard to be excited about time because I will say the pan the pandemic has really thrown yes. me. I think I'm this feeling especially that. of like older and sort of what Jalisa was saying about like you know being healthy and longevity, and then also this sense of like time is passing and what am I doing? I don't know. I think I've been lately just feeling the you know as a performer, as someone who's like trying to have a job where people look at you, I'm realizing a little more where I go, okay, well, look, I was never going to be an ingenue, but now (laughs) I'm about to be auntie. And how much auntie work can I book? How much auntie work is out there? And the feelings around that. And then that question of, do you tell your age? Do you not? Do people think less of you? Does it matter what the number is as long as you look a certain way? Just things I wasn't really thinking about before. You know what's interesting, Naomi? That I and I give the the people who made this show so much credit, but there there's a show on HBO or Max, whatever the fuck it's called now, called Julia, and it's about the life of Julia Child. And they make the point, and I think the first episode that Julia Child didn't become Julia Child until she was in menopause. And Uh, it's like by highlighting stories in that way, like that is something that I had never considered or thought of or even knew. And Mm -hmm. so I think there are a lot of more, there are more aunties out there than I think that we have ever uh, paid attention to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think think a lot of the, some of the aging stuff when it comes to women, people dealing with female hormones is that like our hormonal fluctuations are not understood by medicine yes. at large. They're just now starting to sort of understand the way to, the way that hormonal fluctuations like impact us and like how difficult it is to live with those things. You know, when when um just, you know, pregnancy and having a child and that whole process has I there are ways that it fucked with my head that I was like Nobody warned me about this. This is crazy. Mm. Um, Like when I stopped breastfeeding, for example, um, your body just kind of like goes back to normal and it stops producing like the breastfeeding hormone and then you get less um, oxytocin because you're not breastfeeding anymore. So like you go – like I got depressed after. Like 
And it wasn't like I wish I was breastfeeding because it is a huge pain in the ass to to breastfeed. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't like I wish I was still breastfeeding, but like it's just this you get depressed. And then, you know, you're going into perimenopause. You get depressed. You get moody. Yes, you do. And like, you and, get and hot. Doctors are, doctors are like, I don't know. Why don't you try exercising? And like nobody <laughs> else has you. any other solutions. And like exercising is good. I'm going to say that. I started, you know, after – you know, I had my kid. It's really hard to find time to do any kind of exercise at all. And I just a couple months ago started exercising regularly again, and I do feel better. But also, like, when would I have the time to do Doctors just, like, don't know how to tell us how to actually age in a way that isn't, like, physically painful and, like, emotionally painful for, for us beyond the just, like, existential questions. Um, mm-hmm. So that's some, yeah. Well, I'm going to pose a question to me and Alyssa as childless women because it does seem like – because one of the things both of you are talking about too is this sense of when you have a child – because I'll say this. I see children and they do remind me of my mortality. Like I don't have them, right? But I'll see my friend's kid and I'll see how quickly they're growing. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, that amount of time has passed. Mm -hmm. From being a potato to walking has passed. (laughs) A whole human has learned to move through the world literally. (laughs) And I'm like, Mm -hmm. does that – like – Oh, okay. I'm gonna two. Okay, Aaron and Jalisa. Does that feel? Do you feel that? Does it make you feel more like? Oh my God, time is passing. Look at what this creature is doing. Yeah, I mean, I, um, you know, I, 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 as I sort of said in the beginning, like I, I definitely think a lot more about. Oh my God, one day I'm gonna die. You know, to just go super dark. We're just going super dark. We're going dark right now, guys. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I do think morning. like, oh exactly. my God, good one morning. day I'm going to die. And like my child's not going to have a mom anymore. And and I definitely think a lot more about... Uh, and, and, and also both as I see my daughter growing and as I see my mom aging. You know, mm-hmm. on both sides. I sort That's of real. think a lot more about, about aging. And again, it's not mm-hmm. because... There is sort of, to me, there is sort of like the society cultural aspect of aging. And then there is the, um, just like the biological uh, evolution part of it, right? And in some ways, I feel like culturally, we're definitely more evolved than we are biologically. Like our bodies as, as female bodies have not evolved to a point where like we can have children when we're 50, you know, even if like culturally mm-hmm. women are having children older and older. So it does absolutely make me think a lot about um, mortality and and again, like how do I extend it, right? For the sole purpose of being around longer for this child I decided to have when I'm 40. Mm-hmm. I'm going like, to say the time passage thing. So Julissa, you're still in the thick of it. Like the first, mm-hmm. the first eight, nine months of my daughter's life were the longest nine months of my life. It was so like it's like relentless relentlessly mm-hmm. anxiety inducing and relentlessly boring at the same time because they don't do anything they don't do anything and the only times it's exciting are when you don't know what to do and you're like ah what do i do like it's the only like it's not like she was doing things like sitting up and smiling and giggling but that was pretty much it and then when she started learning how to do other things like gesture and clap and and all that then she became a lot more interesting but the first months were just like they passed so slowly 
And then it's like time sped up to the degree that it slowed down when she was a newborn. Once she turned one and she was talking and then she started walking and now she's like a few months shy of being two. And I'm like, holy shit. Like what, where did the time go? Sometimes she'll, um, you know, I'll, I'll go out to work for the day and I'll come home at the end of the day and she'll look like a different kid. Like Mm. she looks like different. I can see Mm. that she's changed. She's growing so fast. So, um, it's it's a little of both because the first part was just this like slog of sleeplessness and anxiety. And then now it's sped up and it's like, no, 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 no. Slow down, slow down, slow down. She's so cute. She's so funny. Like she yesterday I gave her a bath and after the bath, she told me she wanted to wear a cozy hat because <laughs> when I wrap her in a towel after the bath, I say, cozy, you're so cozy because she doesn't mm-hmm. like getting out of the bath. And she wanted a towel. She wanted to put a towel on her head like she saw me wearing. She wanted a cozy hat. So I put a like a <laughs> towel on her head and held her up and looked in the mirror and she just like smiled really big. And I was like, why can't this last forever? And it can't. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, time is going to pass. And I've, I've thought the same thing, Jaleesa, that you have, which is that, you know, by the time Juniper's my age, I will be like 78, like, mm-hmm. which is yeah. crazy. Um yeah, and I, I don't know how to handle that. I don't know where to to put it, uh, and it and it's weird to to think about. And um, yeah, that's and it's sort of like I want to slow it down. I want to be healthy, but I also don't want to. I used to work in a nursing home when I was a kid, not a kid, like in you know college, early college. No, and, I love um, the idea of an eleven year old Aaron walking <laughs> through, playing bridge, asking people if they need water. <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah, exactly. That was me. But I, it was, I, I saw a lot of the ways that like people, not that I, I don't want to be like, they didn't take care of themselves. They didn't mm-hmm. have the ability or knowledge of how to take care of themselves. And sometimes something just bad happened and they ended up in a nursing home. And I don't want to have years and years of low quality of life in a healthcare facility either. You know, like I yeah. want, I want to live, I want to be a bat. You know, bats don't age. <laughs> yes. Bats can live for decades and decades and decades and still reproduce up until they just like Wait, really? get a fungus and die. Yeah. Unle- they can- unless they're in my barn. <laughs> yeah. They, oh, yeah. Then yeah. you're taking them down. Yeah, you're taking they're them gone. down. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. They said bye-bye. Yeah. But no, it's like, I mean, I want to be young until I die. And then I just want to be young until <laughs> I yes. die. Yes, yes, I yes, want to yes. die. But I want to die at an old age, but I don't want to be old. Like, I don't yes, understand how to totally. Yes. Come on, medicine. No, it's, it's like exactly. I want to go like I let my cats go. They enjoy every minute of life mm-hmm. up until I let them go so that they are not ever having one day that is less amazing than the days yes. before it. That's how. But, like, I think as a as a – I don't know. You know how we say, like, man-child? Well, I think I'm like a lady child sometimes because yes. I'm like my mom. Same. When my mom was my age, I was 21. I was yeah. a junior in college. You guys, <laughs> I could not have a 21 year old. Like, yeah. like it would Same. be not remotely possible. Totally. I am still kind of an animal. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and I just—that's the thing. Sometimes I'm like, when I'm like, "Fuck, what have I done with my life?" But my mom, I was 21 when she had like, like next year. In my birthday, if I were my mother, I'd be attending a college graduation and my other child would be going to college. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. that is the thing that sometimes really trips me up. And I'm like, shit, what have I? I mean, I got some cats. I've, I've had some good jobs. But like, what have I done with myself? <laughs> well, say, if but you're then, asking don't you feel- that question, what, what hope do the rest <laughs> of us have? I'm sorry, Naomi, go ahead. 
No, no, I'm just wondering because like with a like I feel like because I don't have kids, there is this pressure to bring us to birthdays to make everything. Uh, sort of kind of in a way what you said, Alyssa, where you're like 40 just for buying the drinks, that it's supposed yeah. to be like everything's a blowout, everything's I'm thriving. fabulous. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. I do agree. I do agree <laughs> that being child free, you have to be like, look at the upside of my decisions. <laughs> and and yes. sometimes it's like just fucking life, you know, like this life brought me here. It's not like it was a series of of decisions necessarily that I made. But Naomi, I do feel that way. Like I have to be thriving if yeah. I am child free because that yeah. is what is expected. If you made that choice, there better be upside and you better show right. the world what the upside was. And so exactly. I, do, I do very much feel that. Yeah. I gotta I say, as, I you it. know, it's, I gotta say like, the upside of being without children, not having them, um, is that you just get to continue to have your life that you had before. Like when well, you have true. a kid, you don't know uh, how, how much of your old life you're going to have to shelve or just permanently send off to Goodwill. Like there are parts of your life that just <laughs> go away forever and you don't know what parts <laughs> those are beforehand. And even when right. you're going through it, you don't know what you're going to get back and what you're not going to get back. And, you know, there's certain, and, and like, so dreams that you have for yourself don't have to like suddenly pivot, you know, to a, to a different thing. You can still have the dreams that you had before and have like a realistic there, there isn't a giant variable in the middle of the equations between you and me plus X equals dreams. You know, like a child is a huge variable um, and you just don't know. It's a, just a, a huge pain in the ass. I'm going to I'm yeah. going to just be I'm gonna just gonna <laughs> I, will, I will add to that. And, you know, again, like Raita is three, three and a half months. So she's, you know, little. So I'm like still, like, as you said, Aaron, in the thick of it, right? And I remember the first week back from the hospital, crying in the bathroom, screaming into a towel, thinking to myself, I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. I thinking to myself, what did I do? Like, what, what did I do? And I obviously don't feel like that when I'm not, you know, have a thousand hormones uh, in my body and have slept two hours for in 24 hours. I definitely don't feel like that. You know, I, I love my daughter. And at the same time, everything you're saying is sort of like, you know, it's sort of like, what does my life look like now? Because to me, there is no going back. Like that's one thing, mm-hmm. that's one of the hardest things. Like there's no going back. There's like, there's, my body's not going back. My life is not going back. My relationships are not going back. It, it's going to be a new Thing, what it's going to look like when it all sort of shakes out, I have no idea, but it's not going to go back to what it was. And kind of coming back to the birthdays getting older thing, you know, I had a completely different career at one point in my life. And sometimes I think had I stayed in that career, I would probably be a partner at Goldman Sachs mm-hmm. and I'd have, you know, amazing retirement money, you know, my bank account would be huge and... I might feel more comfortable that I have this daughter, that I have this baby, uh, because my career is in full throttle, right? But because I switched careers into a career that is all up to me, right? Like mm-hmm. now I'm a, I'm a writer, I'm a public speaker, uh, you know, I'm a producer. Like those are the things that I do that, that there is zero job security for any of those things. Yeah. And, and to your point about, you know, who is going to be booking me when I am 60 years old? 
Like who's going to be paying me to go inspire them when I'm 60 or when I'm 50? You know, like I do really worry about that. I worry so much about since I decided to switch careers, now instead of being like a seasoned veteran, you know, banker, I'm like, uh, you know, midway career writer who's done, you know, I've had some success, but I've definitely not had a home run or at least it doesn't feel like that to me, right? I've not, I've hit some singles, maybe some doubles. Definitely, I do not feel like I've hit a home run. And and the the older that I get, the more that I worry that that is slipping away from me. And now I add that that unpredictable variable to the equation that I have zero control over, it feels like a lot of the times. And so as much as I can feel very confident about my body, about myself, about getting older, about feeling sexier and really feeling like I'm aging like a fine wine... <laughs> there's, you know, then there's society and the reality of ageism, and yeah. particularly when it comes to women. You know, you can see 60, 70 yeah. year old men working and like and admiring them. I mean, let's just talk about, you know, let's just for a second take a step back and think about how old our president is. The president right. of this country, yes. like, <laughs> literally the president. Yes, right, like, right. Also, yeah. Jaleesa, like, I just want to flag: Nancy Pelosi did not go to Congress until her forty seventh year. Yep. There you go. Yep. There are those exceptions, but I think sometimes, you know, as much as we can draw inspiration from those things, I also (laughs) think to myself, like, that is one in a million. And am I going to be that one in a million? Fair. Nancy Pelosi is exceptionally beautiful. Nobody talks about this, but like she is, I think the mo- she's like the most beautiful, almost 80 year old woman. She's like, could be an actress, I think. I want to go um, to and- the doctor she goes to. I do yes. too. I do too. Because how are the shoes she wears? My God. I think everything that, is Julissa, perfect. You're really hitting the nail on the head with why I think I have, I was so hesitant to talk about this and be like, I'm 40. Um, because I work in an industry, a couple industries, I've got tentacles in multiple places where like, even though they are like knowledge-based, skills-based um, industries, they still put a premium on youth. So, like, mm-hmm. theoretically, if you're, like, a screenwriter, theoretically, you're, the longer you've been doing it, the better you are at it. And the more interesting you would be to people who are, like, trying to staff a show or trying to, like, get a rewrite on a screenplay or, you know, trying to, like, pitch on jokes. They're like, oh, this person's been around long enough that they've got this depth of knowledge. But that's not really how it works. There's a real mm-hmm. infatuation with youth and novelty and I get it. I think I think that youth and novelty is super important in trying to create something creative. Um, but also, experience is sort of deprioritized in a way that it. I just you don't see it really in many other industries. Um, and then also, you know, in doing a podcast, a lot of our listeners are young women, are women who are like younger than thirty a lot. And I worry. What? That, okay, like, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> And listen, ladies, you got a lot to learn from us. Keep listening to this podcast. (laughs) I mean, sometimes I've had to, our our associate producer, Fiona, is in their early 20s. And sometimes after they've said things, I've been like, Google, Google, Google. I've got 100% could be Fiona's mother. When young people text me, I constantly have to Google whatever little abbreviations or, you know. I have to do that all the time, Julissa, all the time. It's like, yeah, what does that I, even I, mean? I think that so so basically I think my my problem with my birthday is society's fault and not mine because nothing is hundred percent. A hundred percent. 
a hundred percent society's fault. But I just, <laughs> I, I hope that people who are listening to this episode, if they're turning a year older, they're worried about getting older. You're definitely not alone. Uh, no matter how much work you do trying to get over some societal bullshit about ageism or whatever, you're just never going to really be able to escape it. We're swimming in the water that is just like poisoned with it. And that's just the way that it is. But this made me feel a little better, I think. Feel a little better. Yeah. I Can good. I say one thing? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Okay, if you're going to get older anyways, might as well feel fabulous and celebrate and have a great party and have some good drinks and have a great dinner and get some presents and get some wonderful <laughs> messages and just shower yourself <laughs> with love because it's going to happen anyways. So, you know, that's my attitude. I think I'm going to have a big party for next year when I turn 41 because, like, the pressure will be off. It won't be that, like, Mm. weird of a birthday. And then I'll maybe – I don't know. You'll all be invited, of course, obviously. Terrific. Um, Okay. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Sanity Corner slash I Feel Petty. Welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, your place for all things petty. Before we get to Sanity Corner slash I Feel Petty, a few announcements for the class. Call me crazy, but I think getting a life-saving medication should not be more expensive than a fun night where you mistake the rug for a giant cat. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I totally <laughs> agree. And also, I want to hear the backstory on this. <laughs> Healthcare is a human right, and that means the only pills we should be paying for are the fun kind with little happy faces on them. Wow. That's illegal. Yes. Definitely shouldn't do that. That would if be illegal. <laughs> that would if be you're illegal. nodding along, check out our new Only Fun Drugs Should Cost Money tees and stickers available now at the Crooked Store. I got to say, in this day and age, uh, I I wouldn't buy a pill. I wouldn't buy a pill. I would buy a I mushroom. I don't buy pills. I would buy no. a, mush- yeah, a mushroom. mushroom. Those can't be laced Mushroom, with- a little weed? Yes. <laughs> Yes, those are fun drugs, indeed. And I don't mind paying for those things. Uh, and they're also probably a little safer than a pill with a smiley face. On yeah, them stay this, away from those. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do it. Head to crooked.com slash store to get your only fun drugs should cost money, teas, and stickers. Okay, let's get to it. Julissa, are you feeling petty this week or do you have a sanity corner? So I have a mix because it is both has been my okay. sanity and my pettiness for the last three months, which is Instagram, right? Instagram has kept me very sane when I, you know, three o'clock in the morning, breastfeeding, four o'clock in the morning, crying baby. And I'm on Instagram posting about how frustrated I am. And like just random strangers, random moms are sending me messages of being like, you know, you got this. Uh, everything's going to be great. You're doing wonderful. And I'm like, oh, this is so great. Like Instagram has been such a, a such, a, such a blessing. All these like random strangers sending me this like words of encouragement, which is great. But it definitely is a double-edged sword because sometimes when I post things about motherhood, people will also send advice when like, I'm not trying to hear your advice or, you know, when I've been complaining, I don't even want to use the word complaint. When I have expressed my feelings about 
having to hold Raida for her naps, sometimes people will send messages like, enjoy it. This is, you know, time is going to go by so fast. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, the baby cuddles are the best. Like, you should you should enjoy it. And I know that they're meant to be encouraging. Like, you know, I, I very much do believe that people are telling me those things because they're meant to be encouraging. But it makes me feel so guilty. Like, it makes me feel like, like, oh yeah, I should love holding my daughter for an hour and a half four times a day after I've breastfed her and done tummy time with her. And, you know, half the time I have to pee, I have to go pee, like I have to hold her while I'm trying to pee and like use one hand to like, you know, like it's, it's a lot. And it's this, it it is this double-edged sword where it's both given me so much encouragement, but where I've also felt so much like shaming and like people giving me guilt, you know, um, as you guys can probably hear my daughter crying in the background. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's uh, been both a blessing and yeah. a curse. Uh, social media. I think it's just, it's very, I think it's very awkward for people to hear somebody have a problem and n- not be able to give them a solution. Mm-hmm. Like they feel like they need to give you a solution rather than just being like, yeah, I'm sorry, that sounds tough. And sometimes that's the correct answer. And it's just really hard for people to yeah. just sit with that. I know your daughter's crying, Julissa. You got to go feed her. Thank you so much for being Thank with us Thank you today. so much for having me. This was Please so great. This, I, I, I don't if, I, can, if I had a second yeah. Sandy Petty, I would say this was my sanity corner. Doing this with the three of you. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was great seeing you. See you Bye. soon, Julissa. Take care. Okay. Alyssa, Sanity Corner or I Feel Petty? Guys, I am feeling petty this week because, okay, the other night I was watching television, like network television with commercials and everything, and I was assaulted by a Mm. commercial with Scott Disick in it. Do you guys know that the father of Kourtney Kardashian's children is selling a $300 air freshener on television for the hotel collection? I was like... (laughs) What? Why? In the actual fuck. First of all, gonna be honest. I'm not gonna say he's like. I'm not looking at him as some aspirational type. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not not sure. But also, Naomi, what made me really think about this one for this particular uh, Sani Petty is that the real pettiness in my thing, aside from being assaulted with Scott Disick on my big television in the living room, is that the air freshener he's selling is in homes that look like Lifetime movies. Mm. Like, you mm-hmm. know how Lifetime mm-hmm. movies never seem to have carpeting? Like, there's never yeah. a carpet in a house that's in a Lifetime movie. Anyway, oh, Naomi knows is, all about Lifetime movies. I know. That's what I'm saying. You know She's I know. The queen of mm-hmm. Lifetime. And so the thing that both upsets me is that this is supposed to be some luxurious air freshener that is worth $300 or $199, depending on what size you buy. <laughs> Is literally being filmed in a like B movie film yeah. situation. Sterile like model home. Sterile, bad floors, very like not even good staging furniture. But also, I'm just like, how much money do you really need that you have to do air freshener? Because I'm sorry, Scott, that's what it is. You're selling air freshener. It may be expensive, but it is air freshener. And I uh, I was like, whoa, that's this is too much. This is too much. And then because I saw it one time and texted, I think, my sister about it, now I'm getting served the air freshener ads on Instagram and I can't escape this person. Oh, no. So anyway, that's my petty. Scott Disick, go away. Uh. Stay in season Stay in season 16 or whatever it is of the Kardashians as God intended. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I've got to say, uh, okay, I've, I've got a, a bit of a sanity corner this week just to remind everybody amidst all the doom and gloom, heat waves, um, double strike, all of that. Uh, the Women's World Cup is happening yes. right oh, now. Okay, yes. Uh, on Wednesday, the United States is playing Netherlands. Uh, so by the time everybody listened to this, we'll know which, you know, they're still in the group stage, so they're not in like the knockout stage yet. Um, they've already won one of their games, and this is going to be game two, but the Netherlands are really good. So we'll see uh, what happens. Um, it's just really fun to watch like women being excellent at sports. And uh, the World Cup is just a joyful event. And it's, you know, if you're going to stay in inside anyway, because it's too hot to do anything, uh, you might as well be watching women's soccer. So that's that's my sanity corner. Also, one thing I was I was thinking is an upside to the doom and gloom of the double strike and like the lack of content okay. being made is that TV may have to actually show women's sports in a primetime yes. watchable <laughs> way so that like audiences that normally mm -hmm. weren't watching like the WNBA, uh, the National Women's Soccer League, any women's sports at all might actually see it. It might actually just be on ESPN. They could just watch it mm -hmm. and it'll be kind of cool. It could be really good for building an audience. Um, and, and yeah, so that's my sanity corner this week. Naomi, bring us home. Well, honey, I'm not saying of course I'm petty, okay? <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, there's so many things swimming in my head. I'm real mad. Let me tell you what's going on right now, ladies. So I have decided to finally attempt TMS therapy, and that is transcranial magnetic stimulation for okay. uh, medication-resistant depression, okay? Because your okay. girl been in depression mode for like nine years. And so okay. we said, let's try to do something. Now, I'm going to tell you what's got me feeling petty. It's a twofold. One, TMS therapy is a six-week program where you go to the, you know, you go to the doctor and they put this magnet to your head uh, five days a week for six weeks. Whoa. So step okay. one, you got to be independently wealthy and free to even assume, take on this therapy. Who's got five days a week for six weeks straight to go to a doctor every single day? Who are the lucky people who have that health insurance and flexibility to do that? Okay? And so I said, I'm double struck. This is going to be the only time I can try this. So I said, <laughs> let's try it. Then I finally get the ball rolling. I have my intake. I have but it's a that. My insurance company takes 15 business days, which is three American weeks, to approve my ability to have this uh, therapy. So I'm sitting here getting ready. Now I'm just sitting here waiting the three weeks to see if they're going to say it's okay, even though they already ran my insurance to see, you know, obviously. But it's like now, I guess. It's, and so it's a double patty. It's both who is able to really access this. I'm trying to live. I'm trying to be functional. I'm trying to be a decent person who leaves the house and actually talks to people. Okay. And then also, my insurance company's sitting here like, well, we just don't know what to do. We're going to have to look in to see how sad you are. When I tell you, I gave them a laundry <laughs> list of medications I done been on. And I said, honey, I qualify. I qualify. I mean, Naomi, shouldn't they have the list of medications you were on? Shouldn't that have just spoken volumes? Thank yeah. you. You would think. Oh, my God. It's like they make you do yeah. like a wipeout style series of challenges before you're <laughs> yes. like depression. It is. Depression challenges is like, oh, she's so depressed she can't walk across this path. Oh, okay. She's so depressed she can't. <laughs> That's like – and also I think it bears 
noting that you've got good insurance, right? If you got it through one of the unions. It's yes, I've got my writers. Good. Yeah. I know. I know. It's and I'm good. thinking, I'm like, it's so funny to think that it would be, it's like, Everybody depressed. Everybody depressed. What you mean you don't know if I qualify? What do you mean you're not going to sign off on this thing? And it's obviously like, and it's something that's been probably over a decade that it's been used specifically for depression, OCD, this TMS, but it's like, come on. And, you know, obviously, again, imagine if I had um, an even bigger issue that needed immediate assistance. But, of course, you know the process when you're depressed, so many of these things take feel like they're even more insurmountable, right? Like, it took Mm -hmm. me long enough just to make the appointment, then to schedule Mm -hmm. the intake. Like, everything that I was finally like, okay, let's do this, and to get the three-week delay, and they're like, okay, well, we'll schedule you August 11th to start, and then let's, you know, because I think by then the insurance will get back to us. And it was just, it just took the wind out of my sails, and it made me like... Ooh, because I felt like I'm finally doing it. I'm finally putting the work in. I'm finally saying, let's commit to this thing that already feels crazy. Again, five days a week, every single day for six weeks. And then the insurance company came and I said, you know what? You know what? They don't want us to live. They don't want us happy. Why would anybody fake that condition to get that treatment? You know what I mean? Like, why? Like what right. benefit? You're like uh, it's not like it get it's not like it gets you high. Like you you know right. exactly. You're, 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 there's there what's the people, upside of lying? It's not like <laughs> meet me in the bathroom. We're gonna put some magnets on our head <laughs> right. at this club. It's not like fun, that. You know I would what do. I, mean? yeah, I would it, do wear it. I would be like, okay, well, I've never heard of this before. Let's see what let's see what this is. But like, <laughs> it's see what not, you it's, got. It's not like why would someone lie so that they're able to go to the doctor five times a week for six weeks for a treatment right. that doesn't necessarily produce a feeling of like pleasure, euphoria, right? You know, what, right? That's I won't ridiculous. know until it's over. I won't know till the end of the six weeks if it's even worked. It's not like you do a week and then you start to feel like lifted. They were right. like, we gonna go through this whole thing, and there is an accelerated version of it. Uh-huh. where you go every day for a week and of course you're there for maybe six hours and you know it's like a long day for a week but yeah. you know insurance don't cover that at all oh what? man <laughs> you know I sort of want insurance to continue to get worse at a rapid pace because that is just going to get us to a point where so many people are fed up that we won't elect a president who doesn't pledge universal health care we won't elect anybody up well, and down the ballot who doesn't pledge universal health care because this is fucking ridiculous like i know ugh. it's insane so but it's so funny because people hate s- people hate socialism but then we'll be the first to put up a gofundme i go babe what do you think that is i was like totally. you're literally out here saying socialists are evil and i'm like you want me to help you with your dog's patella surgery don't you <laughs> it's socialism <laughs> anyway i'm done i'm done yelling yeah. thank you uh, i'm sorry you're going through that naomi we all can agree nobody yes. likes their insurance company nobody does That's it's true. a it's a middleman. No. it fucking it's bullshit ugh. The worst. Absolute bullshit. Universal health care. Single payer now. All right. On that note, Naomi, thank you so much. I'm so glad. I mean, I'm, I don't want you to be double striking, but I'm really selfishly glad that you're more available to spend time with us here at Hysteria. Yes. Excited for the next time you are on with us. Alyssa, thank you for being my ride or die as every week. <laughs> Thanks to Jalisa, who is off taking care of her little one. And listeners, thank you for sticking with us every week. There will be more hysteria next Thursday.
Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our senior producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. And Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer. Fiona Pestana is our associate producer. The show is engineered and edited by Jordan Cantor. Our video producers are Rachel Gajewski and Megan Patzel. And thank you to Julia Beach, Ewa Okulate, Amelia Montooth, Adia Hill, and David Tolls for production support every week. Don't forget to follow us at Crooked Media on Instagram and Twitter for more original content, host takeovers, and other community events. <laughs> <laughs>